0: Hello and welcome to This Week at the Movies. I'm Matt. I'm Eric. And to this week we're making a trip down to Asteroid City. Uh, that's right, we're going to be talking about Wes Anderson's latest film and some of his previous films and how we might feel about them. Uh, but the first up is Asteroid City and it is just about uh, what you would expect. Uh, a lot of famous <laughs> faces including uh, Jason Schwartzman and uh, Tom Hanks actually in this one, so Steve Carell. Quirky looks, a unique location, some interesting dialogue, and some interesting story beats. Eric, did you enjoy your time in Asteroid City?
1: Yes, I enjoy it. it, It's piece by piece. You know, this feels obviously like a Wes Anderson movie you know what that means after watching a couple of his movies and um he's very comfortable storytelling like this but this is very distinctly chopped up into sections and pieces and scenes and and people and specific moments and quirks and it's it it never i never fully get the sense that everything is flowing towards one particular direction you're just watching bits of 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 the lives of a few people that all happen to be grouped into this one event. And it's interesting seeing the way that he put everything through lenses of a stage production. As I understand it, they really built that town, you know, with the gas station and, and with the landing site and with the, You know, few different buildings that are in Asteroid City—they're all built in this squared-like area and whatnot. So there's this uncanny sort of feeling with the way that they make the colors look—that you you know you're in a you're watching a play that people live in, you know. And so, yeah, there are so many decisions to just chunk things down that I feel like I you know I there are definitely things in this movie that I really really like. And then, as a whole, they sort of don't matter. Like Brian Cranston, I thought was phenomenal as the uh, the sort of narrator or host of the movie that never technically really plays a part in the story. So it's just bizarre. I, I, I Steve Carell as like that bizarre. I, I, he there's something seedy about him but you, you never really understand what exactly is seedy about him other than him being kind of like materialistic and you know he, but he runs this hotel and I don't know just the, like there are all so many enjoyable little things to different characters I really liked Adrian Brody even though everything about his part felt like a bit part and Edward Norton too. Um, ultimately I'm going to give it like one thumb up because I, I mean, I think it's worth people's time to see it and especially if you like Wes Anderson, I think this is this pushes up against his talents when it comes to you know stop motion versus live action versus like blending things in this sort of greeting card style marionette like thing like I, I it it shows off a lot of what he's good at and it tells him a story. And that's all I can say.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I thought it was beautifully crafted. um, Production design, everything that goes into, uh, you know, the costumes and stuff. You mentioned Steve Carell's character, just completely strapped at all times for no apparent reason. Tom Hanks' character, actually, ironically, too. A couple of different people in the movie. You know what you're going to get in terms of some quirky dialogue and quirky approach to romance and and things like that, you know, may not be what you're expecting, but it's not like, you know, Star Wars Episode 2 where you wonder if the writer had ever even seen a woman. Um, but, you know, if you've seen the trailer for this, you have an idea of what movie you're going to see. That trailer is completely wrong in terms of the overall, it's not wrong in terms of those pieces are there, but How you view them, they make a narrative choice here, and that's what I've been struggling with there, I really liked the production and the construct and I thought the way they executed it was well done, I was disappointed by a choice of how to present the narrative that took me out of what I thought I was going to see. And that to me is what keeps it from being something that I found more charming and endearing. I went back and forth with a lot of different thoughts about scores and where I'm placing it. The technical aspects and the artistry are so strong here, but that choice, which, you know, I won't ruin here because it, you just, you don't see that it's coming doesn't, totally work for me and i don't think actually totally works for the way they they have it laid out because the the area and the specifications and where they're going wouldn't actually fit in what they tell you it is
1: okay i'm starting to get a little bit lost myself like understanding so are you talking about the way the story is framed Throwing yeah. it off, as opposed to just be, had the events, the events being straight up, the events of the movie happening to characters. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, I I would have preferred that. And so you get this opening when Brian Cranston tells you all these things and how they did all these things, but then when you switch to the um, execution of those things, it's not believable that it's all in the location they tell you it's in
1: and well and on top of it like it's it's it is a weird choice and i'm just i'm just gonna like vaguely say that the choice that they make firmly plants you and this is why it's hard to digest the thing as one story with like a point is this is firmly just put you away it's like this is just this is just a play this is just a movie okay like, it's a con- constant reminder, especially with a particular thing right in the third act, um, which are easy to tell because they cut away from the movie to tell you what act you're in. And where you are you are distinctly made aware that the story is the attempt to tell the story. And that, so yeah, it's hard to get emotionally invested in the story being told because they're constantly trying to make it some sort of thoughtful, creative point that that's not the whole thing. It's really about the fact that it's being told that's really important. And, like, trying to stretch your brain about, like, okay, I'm going to go way far and and go for a stretch that probably will land flat on its face. I feel like this is the equivalent to something like Babylon that sort of accidentally deconstructs an element that's, I don't want to be harsh, but sort of stupid about movies that are just obsessed about making movies and glorifying the, what that is. So you, you have a story that is about the creation of a story and telling the story. And that's sort of what Babylon is. You have a bunch of characters obsessed with it, and it sort of has nostalgia for the the glitz and glamour and the underbelly and the seediness and everything of Hollywood, whereas this sort of has reverence for the idea of telling a story and the importance of that, so much so that I think it loses the value, I think, of the story being told.
0: Yeah, and so I'm like you, I gave it one thumb up. I just, I think I would have preferred the movie I thought I was getting based on the trailer. And I, and what's a shame is, I actually think this is one of the best performances from Jason Schwartzman, who has, but the way they put in asides and jump out of it I, it just you're right it dampens the emotional impact and the weight i think of the story in a way i was not expecting and that's really the difference between it and some of the the best to me of wes anderson's stories this one was a little too quirky in its idea mm-hmm. and so it lost me a little bit as we were going in um but still you know fascinating movie beautifully shot and put together, Um, you know, a look unlike anything I've seen this year Um, and some performances that, that were really interesting. I I love Jason Schwartzman in this. I liked uh, Scarlett Johansson in this. Um, There's some good emotional moments between Jason Schwartzman and Tom Hanks, but those just lose a little bit of meaning to me because of, uh because of the the thing behind the thing yeah which is hard to push out of the back of your mind i liked the the kid that played their son um you know the oldest son too i thought he he was good but then had some some weird story within the story things as well
1: yeah it would be nice enough to see a story about like a coming-of-age romance with a kid who's great at a science fair you know I don't I've have to know about like I don't I don't have to know about the understudy of it all. Yeah. Um
0: so an interesting movie and that brings us to you know maybe a little bit of a discussion uh, apparently the official stills from this movie they wanted you to really know Tom Hanks was in it. Oh yeah uh, because all of the stills are you know most of them have Schwartzman which makes sense but almost all of them have Tom Hanks but there is the man on the left Wes Anderson whose um vision has carried behind a lot of quirky films since uh the late 90s uh doing movies like Rushmore um you know he's done French Dispatch was his last one before this. Grand Budapest Hotel, Moonrise Kingdom, The Royal Tenenbaums, probably one of his early uh, famous ones. He, he's done a couple of stop motion, as you mentioned. We got to see a little bit of that in Asteroid City, with Fantastic Mr. Fox and Isle of Dogs. So I'll put it to you, Eric. What, uh, what have you thought about Wes Anderson? Do you have any of his films that have stood out to you more than others? I...
1: I have really enjoyed everything I've seen of his. I haven't seen the Life Aquatic uh, with Steve Zissou. I haven't seen Isle of Dogs, and I haven't seen Moonrise Kingdom. Oh,
0: you haven't seen
1: it? I have not seen the Darjeeling Limited, and I I also haven't seen Rushmore. (laughs) So uh, it's probably a a shorter list what I have seen than what I haven't seen of him. Because I've never actually gone out of my way to... Look up and like and like find thing his work and like catch up on it in any su- substantial way, and but mm. but the Grand Budapest Hotel hotel is like a favorite. Um, I love the Royal Tannenbaums for the fact that it made my father so upset that he actually. He went beyond wanting to walk out of a movie and stayed in the movie because he felt like it was a trick and something had to change and get better, so that he couldn't get his money back. The movie was so to him bad, and because he still couldn't work around, uh, like work it around in his mind, he bought the Criterion. A guy who doesn't collect movies, like he doesn't. It, it's this hilarious story to me. I've I've seen Royal Tannenbaum's enough to know that it's like fun quirky and it's very like dry and comedic and whatnot but the impact that that had on him is a story that i will never stop you know being fascinated by because it's it's i don't know it's so bizarre um i i like his tendency to stick with performers that he really likes the way he cultivates uh admiration from actors and the way that he you know builds casts that are really impressive but manages to use them in ways that each person is is memorable in their own way um but i would just say the grand Budapest hotel feels like a story that is appropriate for the vision he tells it with and fantastic mr fox is very much the same way that feels like a a child's sort of storybook like a pop-up book being brought to life and just from all the work that I've seen from him he usually has a really good there's a really good reason he's the one telling this story and I feel like he stretches himself here In filmmaking, in trying to use different aspect ratios, which is a familiar thing that he does, and trying to use these tools that he's developed over a long career of making movies. And the result just feels like a story that maybe doesn't really fit him which is weird to say, because it has like, it's, he helped develop the story, he helped write it, he has it all over it, but it wouldn't be the first time I'd seen that, where I feel like somebody puts all their effort and thought into a story, and then it's like, you know, this this is, I don't know. I, I'm not going to rank this at the top of the movies I've seen by him. I think Grand Budapest Hotel is my favorite, but I would say it's, yeah, definitely, again, not 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 bad but i can imagine someone like my father sitting in the theater and just like every time things go black and white him just like getting really irritated and grinding his teeth (laughs) like yeah
0: why is this happening yeah um yeah to me he's he's had things that were kind of hit or miss uh two of the ones that you haven't seen uh, the Life Aquatic and the Dark Chilling Limited. I, I'm just out on it. them. It did not work for me. Okay. Um, and I think that's really the case. Some of the stories in the quirk, it either works or it doesn't i'm more like you asteroid city's probably more in that soft middle it's interesting you mentioned royal 10 moms because i just looked at my west Anderson rankings i have them pretty close together but the ones that have made the that i've enjoyed the most have some kind of emotional component to the story and i feel like i could have gotten there with asteroid city if they hadn't done if he hadn't used the The table setting device that they use for how the lens through which you're supposed to be viewing the action Mm. of these characters you know because i wanted to be into when i was watching the trailer i thought i was going to be into this you know idea of a widower on a road trip with his kids and you know trying to connect with his father-in-law but they do something that kind of takes you out of that whereas Uh, My favorite is The French Dispatch, which was the one he made just before this, where they tell – it's a series of different stories about these reporters, and they're wildly diverse and quirky, but they – there was just something about him that, that grabbed me and pulled me in. I really love that. I like the Grand Budapest Hotel a lot as well. Um, those are probably one, two for me. And one that you said you hadn't seen, Moonrise Kingdom. That was probably the first of his films that really got me emotionally. But I know exactly what you're talking about, that people don't cleave to, all, all cleave to the style. I went and watched with my wife. Then afterward, I'm like, oh, that was so beautiful. And she's like, what the heck? Did I just see? It. Never take me to something like that again. So now if we, I tell her I'm going to to one of his movies, she's like, "Would I like that?" I was like, "He made Moonrise Kingdom." I'll see you in a couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, I i appreciate he's definitely got an originalness to his style to his characters to what he's doing and people must love working with him because he has these incredible sprawling casts even in asteroid city there's a kind of secret cameo there at the end that they haven't had and even you mentioned brian cranston he's not even built in in the sea and Mm -hmm. and edward norton you don't even realize necessarily, although they scroll through like six pages of names and it's hard to keep up with yeah, everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there, there's just a few people that pop up here in, in kind of supporting really small supporting or cameo roles that just enjoy being part of the world. And it, you know, it is nice We've talked about a lot this this year and and especially this summer of big franchise films that you're just yeah. seeing. Like I would take Asteroid City any day of the week over having to sit through another Transformers film. Yeah, so would I. Because yeah. even if it didn't hit everything I was hoping to have, it's something different.
1: Mm-hmm. So and not and not just different, but committed to being different and and it works. You know, it's just really hard to make it work because it keeps trying to it's like it's like, look at me. It's like it's uh, it's, it's look at someone. Someone dancing and every time I get used to the way that they're dancing, they're like, change the music and they decide to dance a different way. And you're like, all right, I'm supposed to enjoy this now for a, a totally different reason. Like, I don't know. You know, I was thinking two seconds ago and I was, something struck me. That if I was listening to someone... Just, just a brief bit of description of you describing Jason Schwartzman's character, okay? It's like a, a, a wartime photojournalist is trying to reconnect with his father after the death of the mother of the children. And father he's trying to law. deal with his father-in-law. Sorry. And and just knowing the other events that happen in this movie, I feel like it's it sounds like something... I would typically hear described like it's a David Lynch movie that the, and that keeps pinging in my head like the the enclosed environment, the characters with their own individual little roles to play feels like, you know, I, I don't think in Twin Peaks they ever straight up go to, you know, I don't want to spoil things in this movie in case people see it because there are definitely little entertaining things to do it. I don't think they ever go. out of this world, but, um, you know, there's definitely supernatural elements to it. And David Lynch does such a good job of letting unexplained things have their own effect and merit without having to explain or justify anything. And I feel like that sensibility would work really well for trying to tell a story like this, where you're supposed to find some sort of underlying value in the story that's being told the story underneath that and make everything work and have its own purpose because
0: yeah. Well, if you like Wes Anderson, you should go check it out. Uh, And if you are unfamiliar with Wes Anderson's work, you should check out grand Budapest hotel or the French dispatch. Um, Definitely a creative and unique filmmaker, uh, someone to dive into. But that will uh, bring a close this week as we looked at uh, Wes Anderson. Next week, we'll do something which I imagine will be almost completely different. Oh, as yeah. We, uh, we look for our dial of destiny along with an aging Indiana Jones. Although I've heard in the movie, not always aging. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, uh, so yeah, have you have one week to uh, watch uh, the other three Indiana Jones. Um, people say there's a fourth one. I, I'm not. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I believe the Last Crusade was the last one. I mean, it has "last" in the title, of course. right?
1: Yeah. There's a sunset at the end. It doesn't make any
0: sense. Why would they? Yeah. No, they wouldn't. Spielberg wouldn't have done that to us. No. Yeah. Uh, just kidding there is sadly a fourth one let's hope this one rises above that level yeah but we will dive into dial of destiny which is the last big tentpole release of the first half of 2023 where is the year going yeah Uh, until next time we will see you at the movies